You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. You know, we, we kind of made a decision here that we're going to throw everything at them this spring just to get them a taste of everything. And that means that some of the details, some of the minor points that they need to learn and coaching points they need to learn are, are going to come along. We probably won't get all those things all the way there, but we want our guys familiar with most of the things we do coming out of spring. We're way ahead uh, of where we've been when we've installed this offense before. Uh, a lot of it has to do with these guys going to work and, and the players being attentive and learning fast. It also helped us to have the entire staff together uh, because this whole staff's been through this before and we were a lot quicker in getting the guys to understand our schemes on both sides. Uh, i say the pace is probably completely different than we're used to just because it's fast all practice, you know, not just slowing down and going fast. So I think it's completely different than last year. And when they step on that field, it, it's game day. And the same mentality, uh, the same focus, and I told them, sometimes it's hard. It's, it's March, you know, it's the third practice, it's a Thursday, but you got to treat it like it's, it's September 3rd or 4th and we're playing Akron and, and uh, it, we're in Memorial Stadium. That's the same mentality you got to have. And, and uh, I think those guys will, you know, learn from today and we'll be better. And we're four practices in the books here for Nebraska now as uh, they make their way, actually three practices in the books now for Nebraska as they make their way through spring. Uh, Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, as we are here on another edition of the Husker Online Show. And uh, guys, uh, they got back at it Tuesday, Thursday. They'll come back again Saturday. Um, but, you know, to be expected, I think there was a little bit of rust when the team came back off of spring break and uh, they wanted to at least lay a foundation. They left, they came back. Uh, they, they put the pads on for the first time. Uh, they did a little live work, and no surprise, the defense had the advantage day one in pads. And um, one of the coaches joked, you know, if, if the defense stunk it up on the first day, that's probably not a good sign. So um, kind of typically where things are at. But to me, the theme, Robin, continues to be how far ahead they are with this transition because of the experience this staff has uh, already doing this once before. Yeah, that continuity is a big part in this transition and how successful it's going to be. Um, obviously, uh, the last time they had to do this, uh, when they took over at Central Florida, the coaches were learning the system as well. And so you obviously um, have a lot more familiarity, a lot more understanding, and just a, a, a kind of a, a broad um teaching method that everybody's on the same page. And so that in itself will be invaluable to getting this thing going. And, you know, you talked about the, the struggles, especially for the offense early. A lot of that is because this staff has made it a point to throw the entire playbook at them right off the bat and let them digest as they go. Um, given the relative short amount of time they have to make this as close to a finished product as possible by the time September rolls around. I think that is the only way you can go about this. You can't take baby steps and uh, you know spoon feed little bits of information when you are going a massive overhaul like they're doing on both sides of the ball right now. And so you're probably going to hear a lot of reports like we heard this week uh, with the offense, you know, falling behind the defense and um, guys still trying to grasp the system um, because the coaches know that's what's going to happen. I mean, they're throwing everything in the kitchen sink at these guys. And the hope is that by the time, you know, they get into fall camp, um, all that will be, you know, learned and processed to the point where they're executing it fairly flawlessly on the field. Yeah, I think you're right, Robin. Uh, it, you know, Greg Austin said that they're not just sticking their toe in the water. They're they're making these guys jump in head first. And, um, and I think that, obviously, the defense is always going to have a little bit of a, a head start 
especially in this particular defense when um, they're just kind of turning these guys loose. I mean, they have they have their responsibilities and keys and everything, but they're letting guys be attack and go find the football, and and it's it's just hats to a football right now. And uh, whereas you know, offensively, these guys are still processing a lot of information um, and also trying to to adjust to the pace and and everything else. So I think we're going to continue to hear that the defense is ahead, but uh, I think that gap will be closed here over the coming weeks. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, Nate Klaus as we talk some opening storylines here. Uh, back from this first week of practice, um, injury-wise, you've, you've got a couple centers out right now for Nebraska, uh, Michael Decker and then Cole Conrad. Um, Trey Bryant still not out there as well, but um, it's kind of made the offensive line a hard thing to read here over the just the first week of practice just because they're not going to have their starting five. They've been repping a lot of guys. Even Will Farniak, Robin, a true freshman, uh, was repping with the number one offense as a center. Yeah, and I, I think that's just more about a necessity than it is maybe speaking to where he is um, in the totem pole of, of that offensive line. But, you know, clearly um, they're, they're showing they're willing to throw, you know, whoever is the best player out there. And that's something Frost said from the very beginning with that offensive line is, um, you know, it doesn't matter where you've played in the past. Um, obviously, Brandon Hymas is working at left tackle now where he was only on the right side last year. And they say that's a natural fit for him. So I think that um, across the board, um, guys are going to find a spot where they can be the most productive and have the best impact this coming season. And so that's still very much a work in progress. And um, it goes back to, you know, some of the issues uh, the offense is having in practice. I mean, they're still trying to figure out what they're going to do with that offensive line. When you have two veteran pieces that aren't even available to practice for you at a key position like center, um, that really, you know, sets the tone and makes it hard for that offense to really find its footing. Because, you know, as much glory as the quarterbacks and skill positions get in this in this system, um, um, the Troy Walters, Scott Frost, everybody says that it all starts up front, and it's the the physicality and setting the tone at the line of scrimmage that makes this offense as effective as it is. So um, that is probably going to be, you know, maybe next to quarterback, the most important uh, position group to watch develop over the next few months, and to see if they can get um, to the level where they need to be to make this offense function at its highest level. Yeah, not only does it start up front, but it starts with the center. I mean, that's that's the one position along the line that that makes all the calls. He he's the he's the communicator up front, and and I think that you know when you talk with Greg Austin about the situation, yeah, it's not it's less than ideal that Michael Decker and Cole Conrad are are missing time. But in the long run, he said this might end up benefiting his group because he's been a, being able to, to kind of develop some depth there, get guys comfortable and confident in what they're doing, kind of trial by fire, especially with a guy like Will Farniak who you know I don't think anybody really expected him to be you know taking some reps with the first team offense uh, in his first spring only a couple months removed from high school but uh, I think that's kind of a credit to the work that he's put in but also uh, with the with Greg Austin being able to just throw some guys in there and see what they can do and and uh, you know kind of sink or swim mentality. Yeah, the one position I still worry about the tackle play too. Um, just do they have enough there? Uh, we know Hymas and we know Farniak are going to be good or be the starters probably at the tackles and Sichterman's right there. But really, Sichterman and Farniak can be guards. I mean, they don't really have a lot of true tackles on this roster. Um, you hope that maybe this switch into the new offense. 
will help those guys uh, because if they were still running a pro-style system with what they have now, especially on the outside, I'd be pretty worried going into this year. Let's say Tanner Lee came back for another year, um, and this is, they had these two starting tackles. They'd, I think that it'd be it'd be kind of dicey to think that they were on solid ground. So you hope the system change will help the old line a little bit more too. And it should, especially with the emphasis on you know, a versatile mobile quarterback. Um, you know, we saw that um, you know with uh, Mackenzie Milton at Central Florida. I mean, his ability to avoid pressure, extend plays, moving out of the pocket um, was really a huge factor for making that the number one offense in the country. And so whoever ends up winning uh, this quarterback job for Nebraska. Um, being mobile and finding ways to move around the pocket and extend um, your time for plays to develop, I think is going to be a huge part just because of the question marks up front and taking some of the pressure um, off that offensive line and not, you know, putting them in a situation they were last year where they have to sit there and pass protect for five to seven seconds because we all know how that went out. Well, yeah, not very good is, is how it went. And I think that pace of play too is, is going to be a big factor. And, um, and that might be, you know, one area where they can really kind of maybe cover up a little, little or some deficiencies and, and, you know, I guess put yourself in a position where you're not going to see every single look in the book from the defense that you're facing. You're, you can kind of dictate, you know, uh, what what you're going to see from a defense, and you can kind of make them keep things pretty mild or pretty bland uh, be, if you're, you know, pushing your pace of play there. All right, well, we have a show, a full show on tap here. We'll continue to talk spring football. In our next couple segments. Uh, Tim Miles. It was announced by Bill Moose uh, by. Uh, Husker Online's own Steam Rosen in their interview that Tim Miles will indeed be back as Nebraska's coach. Um, that's the plan right now. We'll get Robin's thoughts on that. And then Nebraska will hold their first junior day here on Saturday. We'll get Nate Klaus's take on kind of what's in store for that opening junior day. That's all next on this week's edition of the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. I mean, there's always a lot of things to improve on, but I feel like a big uh, focal point for me is, you know, catching the 50-50 balls. I feel like I feel like I dropped a lot of those uh, last year, you know, especially against Wisconsin. I had one in the end zone that I dropped. So, you know, I just got to uh, keep improving on uh, attacking the, and uh, high-pointing the ball and making sure that I get over the DB uh, to catch it. And welcome, back. I'm working on. and welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Shot Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. Sorry, J.D. Spielman. I mean to cut you off there as uh, we are talking offensive storylines here on the Husker online show. And you heard J.D. Spielman there. Robin, you wrote about him this week. Um, you know, he. you look at guys that are going to benefit in this offense. For me, Stanley Morgan, J.D. Spielman, Tyjon Lindsey, those are the three immediately that come to mind that could really emerge maybe as a better fit in this system than they possibly were in last year's offense. Yeah, it's hard to imagine Stanley potentially putting up better numbers than he did a year ago when he was the primary target in that passing game. But I think that uh, that was a big reason why he wanted to come back and play his final season at Nebraska under Scott Frost because I think he saw the potential of what uh, you know wide receivers can do uh, with the volume of plays and the efficiency in which this offense operates. Uh, I mean, he could have – I mean – Kenny Bell's record is in the crosshairs uh, for you know the career receiving yards. Um, you know, he obviously already has a season record, and I think more records. Thousand are, yards. Yeah, they stand to fall uh, if he's able to have 
um, even close to the same year he had a year ago, which I think is definitely in the possibility. But other guys down the board too, uh, particularly J.D. Spielman and Tyjon Lindsey, uh, they fit that mold of that versatile Swiss Army knife type wide receiver that thrives in this system and has thrived in this system going back to the Oregon days. Uh, I mean, they they talk about the importance of guys, not only that can just line up in the slot or out wide on the perimeter, but can do things in the backfield and be a runner just as much as a receiver and catch balls out of the backfield and basically be able to make plays everywhere on the field. And J.D. Spielman and Tyjon Lindsay fit that to a T with their skill sets. And it's going to be fascinating to watch all the different ways that you know, Frost and Troy Walters uh, utilize those guys and try to maximize their potential far more than they did in the previous system. And it's that DeAnthony Thomas type of exactly. athlete, that playmaker that I think could really thrive in this offense. And uh, and that's that's what J.D. Spielman and, and Ty John Lindsay are. Uh, we know what Stan Stanley Morgan is. I mean, he's I mean he's a pro. I mean, he's really really good. But I think he's he's definitely hungry. Coming off of a season that he had, where he knows he let a big time record kind of slip through his his hands, so to speak, uh, with that thousand yard mark not being reached. Uh, had you know had he played an extra game, or you know had he made a couple more catches, that that, that probably would have gone down. But uh, it's going to be exciting to see how they use all these pieces all these uh, skill position pieces and I mean when's the last time you know at Nebraska that we'd been talking about you know how how many skill guys that, that they have at, at their disposal and that's before you even really get into some of the new pieces that they're adding mm-hmm. in this past recruiting class and even some redshirt freshmen like a Javon McQuitty uh, that, that's coming off an injury that that is uh, really really talented as well you're listening here to the Husker Online Show Sean Callahan Robert Washington Nate Klaus as we talk uh, some offensive storylines, and even the tight ends, guys, I think they're going to have a different type of feel in the system, Nate. The the language we heard from somebody is, you know, the tight ends are almost, it's going to be like a broken play at times. They're going to get the ball, and you're almost not going to expect it, but um, I think this offense will will feature them a little bit differently, um, and it's going to change. I mean, the days of more of that pro-style tight end, a Seathan Carter, for example, he would not have fit in this type of offense. I think it's more kind of a, an oversized split end that could really cause some matchup problems. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's not the inline tight end, you know, that that block first, pass catch second type of type of player that that we've kind of become accustomed to seeing. It's these guys. Uh, Sean Becton said it after practice. He said these guys have to learn how to have a wide receiver mentality. They have to learn how to operate and play in space, and be be playmakers out there, and um, and that's that's kind of the transition that they're going through. I think Jack Stoll has really impressed early on, according to Becton, and um, and then you've got a couple monsters like Austin Allen and Kurt Raftall, You know, two big six seven targets out there uh, that I think pre- present you know great mismatch opportunities for this offense which again I think is another facet of everything that they want to do to create mismatches and, and kind of attack defenses so uh, that's going to be exciting to see you know how productive the tight end position can be well speaking of mismatches and wanting to uh, capitalize on versatility two other names I'll throw in there Justin McGriff and Katarian Legron uh, those guys are two 
you know, athletes that could have been tight ends or wide receivers are obviously starting off at wide receiver. But, I mean, you look at the, the sizes of those guys. McGriff, 6'6", 220. Legron, 6'3", 230. Uh, there is some serious mismatches you can do with those guys out in the slot, out wide, um, that I think has this coaching staff salivating right now. In fact, uh, Sean Becton um, pointed to uh, Legron as a potential guy that they could have special packages designed just for him when he's on the field. And then, obviously, McGriff, you know, with his size and length, more importantly, um, I mean, the you can put him anywhere and he can go make plays. Yeah, he's a mismatch against a smaller corner. He's athletic enough to beat linebackers. And so the the amount of options they are going to have in this passing game. And you know, I think the best quote um, was from Troy Walters on Thursday when he said, I don't care if you're 5'2 or 7'2. If you're a playmaker, we are going to get you on the field and involved. And they got a whole bunch of playmakers that could potentially thrive in this offense. You know, guys, the other thing that a lot of people have talked about here uh, throughout spring is just the pace. Um, everybody that has seen practice, and there have been very few people that have been able to see practice because they've been in the morning and they're uh, they're pretty locked down. But people that have been in there and they have watched it, they're like, man, just the, the pace, the tempo, how they operate things. It is a complete 180 for the good. And you just sense a lot of excitement about kind of what they're doing and how maybe that's coming together. Yeah, and you know, all I needed to see was on Tuesday when we first got to talk to the players um, after one of the practices. I mean, it was about 15, 20 minutes after practice got done, and Lamar Jackson is strolling up there, and he is breathing and huffing like he just got done running a half marathon. Uh, I mean, it was crazy uh, that you know, still after you know that as far removed. Um, I mean, he was just still trying to get his breath under him, and asked you know how he would best describe. Uh, practice under this new staff, he said it. it was, it's a marathon. You literally do not stop running. There's no time to um, sit back and think about the last play or um, go to the sideline, get a drink of water, because you are constantly going. And if you aren't immediately turning your attention to the next rep, to the next play, uh, you're going to get left behind. And so that's been a transition for these guys. And it will be a transition on through the rest of the spring, probably on into fall camp, not only physically, but mentally, uh, to be able to completely turn the page. Um, as soon as the, the whistle's blown after a rep, um, I mean, that, that that's going to take an adjustment, but clearly that's how they want to play, and so that's how they're going to practice. Yeah, Stanley Morgan, we, we asked him if, uh, you know, if he'd ever been this tired after a practice before, and and he took about a, a, a tenth of a second to say no, and, and he was pretty pretty blunt with it, at the, that he's never been this tired after any sort of practice, you know, from his days as a, in Pop Warner all the way up until you know this past year and um, you know Greg Austin was kind of mentioned the the offensive pace for the linemen too that that's been a huge adjustment for that group uh, because not only are they learning some new calls and, and terminology and and in the way of operating but they're also learning to get back up to the line immediately and, uh, and and improving on their pace of play too he said they're nowhere near where they need to be but they are getting better from practice one to two to three so um, yeah that's I mean that that whole pace is is something to, to keep a close eye on because I, I think that's going to be an important factor and then you know they could run technically 20 or 30 more plays per game and and that's going to require more guys to play on the line at receiver and, but you know in the long run this is this is going to be good I think this is uh, kind of what they want to do as far as repetitions go and you're seeing a lot of guys 
uh, get that extra work in practice. All right, well, we come back. We're going to shift our discussion over to the defense. They started out strong, uh, had a good first day in pads. We'll give some thoughts on that defense next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Well, I just love it because we get up and we get the day going and, and you know, it, it, we just get, get everything flowing to where when I wake up, I know I got this, this, and this. We get on that practice field, then I get a little break, and then we come back and we watch the film. And then, you know, we're not sitting around all day till 3 o'clock waiting for practice because, you know, depending on the day, that can get a little, you know, monotonous or whatever. It, it, it's good. It gets me going. You know, I'm sweating right now. I mean, but, you know, when people are sleeping, we're working, and that, you know, out on the field. And I'm telling you, the guys will end up loving it. Uh, we as coaches love it. You don't have class misses like you could have, you know, when you when you have the afternoon practice and a guy has eight o'clock or, or ten o'clock, eleven because he's up, he's ready to go. And uh, uh, you know, plus we in the Big Ten we play a lot of eleven o'clock games, so we're used to getting up and getting used to that. And I think that's that's a big deal when, when you're especially in this conference. You get that ESPN eleven o'clock kickoff. That's huge. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. We're Talk a little morning practices here as uh, Nebraska, for the first time really in history, has gone to during the week morning workouts. And I'll be honest, we're, this is pretty nice, guys. I, I've been a big fan early on. Um, interviews for us are about 10 o'clock, and we're out of there by about 10.30, 10.40. And um, a lot of days you're done with your main early riding by noon. And, you know, for from our perspective, it used to be 8, 9 o'clock at night a lot of nights uh, getting done and, and you know, kind of working odd shift hours. So um, I think from the staff's perspective, um, this was something that Scott Frost wanted. It was almost it, for him to take this job. They had to have morning practices from everything we've heard. And uh, the administration in Nebraska has gone out of their way uh, to make this happen. And, and I think so far it's been pretty well received. I think it's certainly been well received, especially most importantly from the players. Um, you know, how many reports have we heard so far this spring of, uh, you know, not only getting ready for 730 AM practices and, you know, overall putting forth some pretty good efforts. Uh, they have like 6 AM meetings that guys are showing up 10 to 20 minutes early for, you know, getting there at 530 in the morning uh, and to get, you know, almost a, a full college football team to be on that same page uh, to start your day that early, ready to work, um, I think is a huge compliment to this staff and the amount of buy-in they've been able to generate uh, within this roster. Um, that's one of the hardest things to do um, with a lot of young guys is, um, you know, make them do things, you know, for one, that they don't, they're not comfortable with doing. And no one is comfortable, um, you know, at that age in life, generally waking up at five o'clock in the morning. But then getting them to like all be ready to put in that type of work and effort and focus um, towards the same goal this early on in the process. I think that's a very encouraging sign. And it might just seem like a small thing, but in the grand scheme of it, this whole shift to morning practice was about accountability. And when you're able to get this type of response already um, from essentially the entire team, I think that is a great start for how this era is getting forward. Well, I think it shows that everyone's bought in. I mean, they they believe in in the way that that uh, the staff is, operates. They they've seen the results. 
Um, and, and I think that, you know, Stanley Morgan even talked about it after Tuesday. He said, you know what, I'm, I'm not a morning person. I have nev- never been a morning person, but I am now. And, and, and I'm glad that, that we're doing it this way because it's, it's made me change. Uh, and, and for guys to be showing up 20 minutes early for a, a 6 o'clock a.m. Uh, meeting, I, that, that to me tells me all I need to know about uh, where this team is as far as fully buying into the process. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, Nate Klaus. Let's talk some defense, guys. And um, the scheme in general, I, I, I think we've heard about them wanting to be more aggressive with what they do. Um, just from some of the early reports, especially from the first padded practice, I think that aggression has already shown on the field with just how Eric Shenander wants to maybe change the personality of how Nebraska plays defense. And I think the key word is attack. Uh, that was one of the things Troy Walters said. Uh, the big reason why the defense was so far ahead uh, of the offense is because they brought it. You know, from the very first uh, start of the practice, uh, they came in and they they attacked. Uh, they were creating some havoc in the backfield, and the offense took some time to respond to that. And I think that's going to be one of the hallmarks of this defense. You know, they're going to get after the quarterback. They're going to take chances, uh, and you know, maybe do some some risky things to generate big plays. Um, you know, because they know. They're going to be on the field a lot with the volume of plays that their offense runs. They're going to, you know, kind of by default, uh, give up yards and give up points. But the one way that they can really turn games is through uh, pressuring the quarterback, getting sacks, tackles for loss, and creating turnovers. And I think that's going to be um, one of the first things they try and instill in this defense is to develop that attacking mentality at all times to where, um, you know, you're going to try and look for every opportunity you can to create big plays and turnovers and, um, just be as disruptive as possible. Yeah, and they throw a lot of different looks at an offense too, and and that's something that uh, the coaches, the offensive coaches, have kind of alluded to that you know what they see and practice from Eric Chenander's defense is uh, it really prepares them for what they're going to see in the fall and on Saturdays that that they see so many different looks and and that uh, they're so aggressive that by the time Saturday rolls around, usually the teams that they're facing, you know, it's it's pretty easy for those guys to to uh, to play against because they're not they're dealing with just a fraction of what they've seen all week in practice from that defense. So, um, and I think the other thing too, from uh, aside from attacking and and kind of throwing a lot of different looks out there, is uh, just the effort. The everybody running to the football. Uh, you know, you got hats to a football. Uh, you're going to see just a, a swarming defense. Uh, it no no longer kind of that bend but don't break type of sit back and read and react. This is a this is a you know on your toes downhill you know get after the find the football and get after it type of defense and one of the other things interesting I heard is with the secondary play um, it's not the fastest secondary I don't think they have elite speed back there but they do have some pretty physical athletes and I think this scheme itself is going to allow for some of these these more physical guys on the back end to use that more, to use that aggression, that physicality more at the line of scrimmage uh, versus, as Nate said, um, sitting back and kind of playing a very passive uh, defensive approach where you just didn't see a lot of aggression from Nebraska on defense in the back end. You sure didn't, and I think we're past the days of uh, the cornerbacks lining 10 to 15 exactly. yards up off the ball. And just Analytical getting... defense. Yes, yes, uh, and I think it's going to be polar opposite of that, in fact. Uh, you know, one of the things that Lamar Jackson was ta- telling us about 
um, the biggest differences for the cornerbacks, because that, that group had it about as rough as any on that entire defense last year. Um, and one of the big differences now is they're not so focused on not making mistakes. Uh, you know, the, the reason they played so far back is because they didn't want to give up the big play. And it was kind of the one major thing hammered in their heads was don't give up the big play. doesn't matter what you give up in front of you. Just don't take chances. Don't get burned. Keep everything in front of you. Well, that's not the case this time. I mean, they, they, these coaches are trying to get it in these guys' mindset that get up on the line, be physical, um, you know, disrupt routes, uh, take chances on 50, 50 balls, um, you know, go out and be a playmaker. And for a guy like Lamar, who came in with so much hype, so much potential, and hasn't even come close to sniffing it, this might finally be the time, right place, right time, as he put it, uh, for him to finally turn the corner and be the type of player uh, that we've all been waiting him to, to become. And I think you can say that for the rest of that uh, cornerback group, especially with some of the new additions they're bringing in. Um, I think that there's a lot more uh, that you can get out of this cornerback position in general with this new scheme, certainly than what we saw last year. Yeah. If you, what do you do with cornerbacks, uh, big physical cornerbacks that, that aren't, you know, burners, uh, you put them up on the line and, 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 you know, kind of have them play to their strengths instead of having them back and, and on their heels, you know, uh, going against, you know, fast wide receivers. It just, it never made any sense to me. I, you know, I get it where how they wanted to keep, you know, keep everything in front of them. But with that type of personnel, I think you have to play to their strengths. And, and that's what this defense is finally going to do. And, and I think these guys are, are going to thrive under that situation too, being able to, to use their assets to their ability. And, and like you said, Robin, not, not be worried about giving up the big player or screwing things up. Well, now one week in the books. Uh, there'll still be three more weeks though, of heavy-duty spring practice before that April 21st red-white spring game. So no doubt the next month or so we're going to be heavy spring football talk here on the Husker Online Show. We're going to talk some recruiting here later in the show as well. But uh, when we come back, uh, we'll get Robin Washett's thoughts on Nebraska basketball as Bill Moose um, confirmed to Husker Online, Steve Rosen, uh, that Tim Miles will indeed be coming back for another season at Nebraska. We'll get Robin's thoughts on just how that all played out next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is HuskerOnline.com, your authority on Nebraska athletics. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Um, the basketball season's been over now for a few weeks for Nebraska. A um, couple interesting things, though, of note. Um, number one, Robin, let, let's start with Tim Miles. Um, you know, you, you, you kind of look how things have played out. It was quiet. Not a lot was going on as far as just a definitive answer from Bill Moose on his future. Um, and then out of nowhere, our own Steve Rosen was interviewing Athletic Director Bill Moose this last week uh, just for one of our business articles he's been putting together. And, you know, they talked about some things and, and he just definitively said, oh, yeah, we're bringing back Tim Miles. He'll be back for another year. He's our guy. He won 22 games. He won 13 in the Big Ten. And, um, you know, it's heading in the right direction. And um, indirectly, that was kind of how it broke that Tim Miles was coming back to Nebraska, um, you know, in, in, in that type of setup. But first of all, kind of your thoughts on just how my, uh, Moose just kind of indirectly dropped that. That was probably the weirdest part about it, uh, the, just how – it happened and why it took so long, why there was so much radio silence. If if it was a deal where this was such a sure thing that you no know, Miles was going to be the head coach of Nebraska for a seventh season, why not just say it, you know, as soon as the season gets over and to qu- keep, you know, 
end the speculation, the rumors, don't let your coach sit there and twist in the wind. Um, and then to just casually drop it in an interview with, you know, a, a business reporter, like a sports business reporter, it, you know, it was just, it's strange. It was strange in a lot of different ways, but if I guess bottom line is the rumors are done. The, the speculation is over, you know, Tim miles, you know, will be back, um, at Nebraska for 2018, 19. Now, the next issue, I mean, there's a lot of layers to this. And so the next layer is what are they going to do with the contract? Um, you know, obviously, with two years remaining um, on his deal, uh, you got to address it um, pretty soon here. Um, you know, now the question is, do you, do you make it a long-term extension? Do you do a two- to three-year extension? Or do you try to go bare minimum and keep it as a, a wait-and-see type deal? Um, I think the one-year extension doesn't do anybody any good. Um, you know, I think that that leaves Tim Miles in yet another situation where um, he's having to coach for his job, and you know every loss is going to be like we should fire Miles, and every win is like when is he getting his extension? Um, that's not a healthy environment for uh, any program to have, um, let alone a, a team that's you know like Nebraska that's trying to get over that hump and you know enter you know sustained success um it's just it's unnecessary stress it's unnecessary you know speculation and um just difficulties that a staff has to try and overcome um you know both in the public and on the recruiting front uh, within the locker room and so again while you know fiscally it might make more sense to you know make sure that Miles can go out and put together two straight good seasons um I don't think in the grand scheme of things it's the right move I also am not sure a long-term deal is quite the answer right now, unless, you know, Bill Moose is sitting there saying, I love what Tim Miles did this year. I think he's got this thing turned around and, you know, he is the guy that is going to lead this program to the next level. Uh, if that's the case, yeah, lock him up. Great. Uh, but, you know, I'm not sure he feels that way. Um, otherwise, he would have made this decision or announcement public a long time ago. Uh, so, I mean, that kind of leads you to believe that the happy medium here is maybe a two or three year extension, maybe probably really incentive based um, to where if you do replicate your success from this past year, if you do get to the tournament and even more, if you win a game, uh, then you're going to get some lucrative rewards. But if you don't, um, it doesn't cost Nebraska quite as much. Um, and you're not locked into some long-term deal with a guy that, um, you know, clearly probably isn't going to be the long-term solution. So that we're not going to hear anything until after this weekend in the final four. I mean, obviously miles is down there along every with coach, goes every there. coach in the country. I'm sure uh, they find a couple uh, hangout spots. Oh yeah. He's actually hosting <laughs> an event down there. So anybody down in San Antonio, uh, you can go hang out with your 2018, 19 head basketball coach. But, uh, so they're going to get back to Lincoln after the, after the weekend, and they're going to negotiate the numbers of what they want to do with this extension. And so we should hear something hopefully by next week, uh, just because you know you, you want to end as much speculation as you can. They took a big step and at least saying he's going to be the coach again. Now you need to you know alleviate some of those other rumors and you know figure out a contract. It's kind of a poker game though. I think for Moose. You know, he can kind of look at what's going on right now. Georgia's found their coach. Pittsburgh's got their coach now. Um, so there's really not a lot open for Miles to go to at the level he's at. I mean, if he were to want to try to leave Nebraska, you're going to have to take a big step down. And that's a lot less money. Um, and it's about the money in a lot of respects. The whole, I mean, everything's about the money. Um, so I, I think when you look at it, Robin, um, Moose has kind of been able to kind of weather out some of these other job openings. And, you know, if Miles even maybe had some casual feelers out there looking around, if he wanted to do that at all, right now, a lot of those jobs have filled. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, the, it, 
for me, it wasn't all that surprising that, uh, you know, they made the final announcement that he will be back next year. But I'm still really curious as to what the compromise, you know, both from Miles' side and from Nebraska's side is going to be with this extension. So, um, you know, the, again, I still think two to three years is um, a good uh, balance, you know, because you, know, you give Miles a reward for having the season he did. Um, and then you look at what you know, theoretically should be back next year. The table is set for them to be another, you know, legitimate tournament contender. Uh, so, you know, you, you want to keep this thing going in the right direction, but now uh, you got to also put the ball in Miles's court. And for the first time, you know, since he's been at Nebraska, he has to put together two straight good seasons. You cannot afford to have another step back um, and have, you know, basically the years they've had in four out of his six seasons here. Uh, so it's there's a lot left to be determined. This is far from a settled situation, even though um, the speculation about it being fired immediately is put to bed. Um, there is still a lot of question marks yeah, that anything, remaining to be answered. It can happen. And basketball moves, Robin, they can happen late. I mean, Dana Altman left Creighton to go to Oregon, you know, in the middle of the you know late spring. Yep, and you know Barry Collier just got up and left in the summer, where Nebraska was forced to hire Doc Seidler in August. So um, there, there's a lot that can still happen, and so uh, it's going to be interesting, and uh, certainly be following every step along the way. Okay, some roster stuff, Rob. We got to get to before we wrap things up. Uh, number one, James Palmer Jr. and Isaac Copeland have put their names in the draft. They're not going to have an agent. Uh, very common practice. And then Jack McVay, they officially announced he's going pro. We've already covered that, but. Let's stick on Copeland um, and obviously James Palmer in that news. Yeah, no surprise. You're kind of dumb if you're not uh, doing that. If you have any chance at a pro career, um, you get basically a full evaluation from NBA personnel to see you know, not only where you stand, but what you need to work on, what NBA people want to see you do. So it's invaluable uh, and, you know, so, you know, good luck to both of them. Uh, I think James Palmer is going to get an evaluation, see where he stands, and then he'll decide to come back to Nebraska next year. Uh, that That's my prediction. With Isaac Copeland, it's a different story because obviously he will have graduated uh, by the time next season rolls around. He'll be 23 years old. And maybe most importantly, uh, you know, he's playing with that back and, you know, some sore knees too that um, you really don't know what the long-term longevity is of his career. And so, you know, I wouldn't blame him one bit if he wants to go make probably a six-figure salary overseas playing basketball um, with the time that his body's going to allow him to have. So if, that one would not surprise me at all if he decides to move on. But, you know, maybe he sees the, the potential for next season and wants to play one more year of college basketball and be a part of something special at Nebraska. Who knows? But uh, my prediction with him is he will probably move on. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if they can just keep Palmer Jr. and they lose Copeland. You know, I think that would be okay. If they lost both these guys, Robin, um, then all of a sudden, you know, you kind of have to hit the reset button again um, when you had two one-year pieces that were all Big Ten caliber guys. I mean, one was a first-teamer, and the other was darn near a third-teamer. You could mm -hmm. make a case for Copeland. I mean, he was probably right on the border. So uh, it would not be good as we wrap this up, Robin, um, obviously, just from the perception especially. If, um, you know, even if they just lose one, I think perceptionally, Miles and his guy, it will be, it will be tough kind of for the fans to, to, to let that go. Well, yeah, and for some reason, people think that Nebraska is the only place in the country where five, uh, they want five-year players. Five players yeah, and... it, it doesn't happen. It's the nature of the beast, and especially a guy like Copeland's situation. Um, I mean, you cannot fault the kid for wanting to go make money and you know stop playing basketball for free when your body, you just don't know how much longer it's going to let you play. 
All right, when we come back, we're going to wrap the show up with some recruiting talk. Nate Klaus will give us a rundown of what to expect on this first junior day for the Huskers. That's next here. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, the guys we brought in are doing great. Uh, they're early enrollees. Uh, we've gotten great reports from them from campus, uh, from the academic people. I think they've taken to it real well. They were a little a bit of an advantage compared to other mid-years this year because they're starting fresh with everybody else. They're not behind from a scheme standpoint. They're learning at the same pace as everybody else. Uh, it's an advantage to get in here early and get these practices under your belt and be comfortable. And uh, a bunch of the new guys are doing real, real well. Greg Bell had a really good day today. Uh, he's an example of the guys taking advantage of these practices that they're getting. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, final segment. That was head coach Scott Frost talking about just the newcomers, Nate. And honestly, when you think about it, I was just doing this thinking right now when he was going through that. This might be as good of an incoming group as Nebraska's ever had that's gotten here early. The only one I can ever think that would rival this would be the 05 group that had Steve Octavian, Zach Taylor. Um, you had um, Ola Degunduro. Ola Dagunduro. And then um, is it Degunduro or Dagunduro? I don't know. <laughs> just got you there, didn't I? Um, and then there was one more. I'm just thinking about. Oh, France Hardy. Um, was Barry Cryer in that class? I mean, yeah, they had a number of JUCO guys get there early that year. The high school guys were limited, but this group, when you mix the high school and the JUCO and the two transfers, it's about as big of a incoming group as you you'll ever see at Nebraska. Yeah, it really is. It's a talented, talented squad of players. I mean. Uh, to inject that type of talent uh, into the new system and get these guys a spring under their belt, you know, heading into next season. I mean, it's just it's so crucial, uh, especially when you've got four JUCO guys who, I mean, let's face it, you don't bring a JUCO guy in to to just provide depth or or to um, you know to play sparingly. I mean, they're coming in to win jobs, and and uh, when you've got a Greg Bell and a Will Honus and a Deontay Williams and 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 uh, Mike Williams. You know those guys; they're going to play, and they're going to play an awful lot. And uh, for them to to be here already, going through winter conditioning, obviously, and then now spring football. I mean, they're they're going to make a big big impact this fall. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show, Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, as we talk uh, some recruiting, some of the newcomers uh, that are here early. I know you just heard Scott Frost say Greg Bell, uh, Deontay Williams. I think is another guy that has a fairly good chance to start. Mike Williams. Um, they like what he's brought. He, you know, he may not be a starter because Spielman and Morgan are that good, but there's no doubt both Jerron Woodyard and Mike Williams are going to have a big role in this offense. And that's the, and they bring speed, Nate. And um, you, you knew this offense was going to bring speed with it um, in the recruiting class. But I, mean, I think that's one of the things that jumps out. They like the speed on this team, and some of these new faces have really added to that. Yeah, they really have. And Mike Williams is a kid who who's already drawing praise uh, from coaches and teammates alike. I mean. First of all, when he, I think when he got on campus, they said he was about a buck sixty-three, and right now I think he's he's almost uh, he's he's well over one seventy. I mean he's he's added uh, well over ten pounds of, of muscle mass to his frame, uh, and and he's been pushing around a, a, a lot of weight for being you know a relatively small guy. I guess uh, he's developed a reputation of being extremely strong in the weight room, and then through the first three practices, he's he's really 
impressed um, his teammates and coaches. I mean, Stanley Morgan said that that he's kind of a uh, J.D. Spielman type of guy. He's very fast. He's, he's quick, uh, and he's going to be able to to play an awful lot and bring a lot to the offense. and And his skill set is going to, according to Stanley Morgan Jr., uh, you know, kind of allow other guys to to uh, benefit off of it because the defense is going to have to respect a guy like Mike Williams, and and that's going to make make it to where other other receivers are open. Now, Nate, let's move over now to the specific recruiting going on right now for 2019. It's going to start picking up. I mean, this is going to be kind of the appetizer before really it gets going. Uh, but Nebraska will host a junior day this weekend in Lincoln. Um, it will be their first uh, of three kind of planned events here uh, this weekend. Then I believe it's the 7th and then the uh, 21st are going to be the big weekends. What can you tell us what's going on? Who will be on campus this weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, as of right now, uh, I think we've confirmed a little over 15 uh, visitors that will be in, in town uh, over the weekend. But I, th- I think that list is going to be at least 25, maybe even close to 30. And, and it's going to be a local flavor for the most part. I mean, there's there's some big time guys from from outside of the state, but a lot of it's going to be in state guys. You know, uh, uh, um, Miko Masoner from Kearney in that 2020 class. You know, very talented running back there. Noah Strafersky, uh, big offensive lineman from York. Uh, Garrett Snodgrass, the the commit from York. Ethan Piper, uh, the the defensive line commit from Norfolk Catholic. Uh, you know, you've got a handful of other. Uh, uh, in-state kids that are that are making their way to town uh, that are going to be on campus some in some cases for the first time in other cases you know the, these are kids that have been on campus a, a couple times but has, have not really had an opportunity to interact with this coaching staff so I think that's going to be a big deal um, but there's there's some certainly some big time recruits uh, you know like a Ramir Johnson out of out of Bergen Catholic High School in New Jersey, uh, four star running back. He's uh, top two a rivals two fifty prospect. I mean, this is a kid who's got a ton of different offers. Um, he, you know, and he's making his way, paying his own way to to head to Lincoln uh, for the junior day this weekend. Marcus Hicks out of Wichita Northwest is probably the the headliner uh, of the group because not only is he a four star, you know, rivals two fifty defensive end, um, you know, and, and not only is he a player, Player at a position of need, but you know a 500 mile radius guy. I mean, I think he's one of those players that when you look at uh, what the talent is like in in the surrounding states to Nebraska, uh, I mean he's right at the top of the list of of the type of player uh, at a position of need that that you have to get. Uh, I think that that Nebraska is is definitely you know pouring their focus into getting a guy like Marcus Hicks, and and again he's been on campus, but he's not been able to to really be around this coaching staff very very often. So I think that this will be kind of a pivotal weekend visit for him because he's taken a ton of trips. He's been to Oklahoma State recently. He's been to Ohio State and Michigan recently. Um, they're making the rounds. And so I think with a guy like him who has as many options as he does, uh, this weekend will, will really shape you know exactly where Nebraska falls in the pecking order going forward. Nate, as we uh, talk more about uh, guys, you know, two, the 2019 class, a lot of these guys visited Nebraska. Maybe you mentioned Marcus Hicks with the <clears throat> The previous staff and you know unfortunately for Nebraska that's hurt this new staff because some of those guys maybe already had eliminated Nebraska or 
maybe had their thoughts made up or the new staff hasn't gotten a swing at some of these guys, particularly some of these St. Louis names. Yeah, and, and that's an area that, that has hurt Nebraska. The coaching change, you know, with the previous staff, they, they were making efforts to try and get into St. Louis. But as we all know, you know, when, when the season kind of started to go downhill last year and, um, you know, and, and then obviously with the coaching change, I think that a lot of kids – kind of wrote Nebraska off and and with as sped up as the recruiting process is these days uh, I think that's hurt the staff and and they've kind of been playing catch up with uh, with a lot of 2019 kids but especially some kids from St. Louis now there are some guys from St. Louis in, in particular that will be in town this weekend uh, you know CJ Boone is a player who's who was at last year's spring game uh, he's a teammate of a top 100 prospect Jelani Williams out of Parkway North um, you know and he's coming up with a with another wide receiver, Maurice Massey, who was uh, previously committed to Iowa State, has since reopened uh, his recruitment. Uh, both of them are extremely talented guys, but I think they're both pushing double-digit offers already, do not have offers from Nebraska, but that could potentially change this weekend. So that's kind of a storyline to pay attention to is, you know, are some of these guys that don't have offers, are, are they – going to potentially land offers this weekend or could this visit weekend kind of uh, raise their chances I guess for something to potentially come down the pipe here in the, during the evaluation period will Nebraska kind of be paying a little bit more attention than they already have to some of these players uh, after they get them on campus but that's the key is just to be around the staff and, and to really solidify you know the, that relationship or, or create a stronger bond between coach and player uh, and, and the families too I think that one once these families and the players are able to be around the staff and kind of get a sense of, for the atmosphere right now, uh, I think that's really going to move things along and speed up this recruiting process, where, where at least where Nebraska is at at this present point in time. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend uh, with practice and that first junior day. Make sure you are on HuskerOnline.com as we will have coverage of it all. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.